Enjoying these episodes? Give us a shout out on social at Built On Air. We'd love to hear your comments and suggestions. So drop us a like and be sure to subscribe to catch new episodes when they release. It helps us keep the podcast going. Welcome to Built On Air, a podcast and video series about all things Airtable. In this episode, we speak with Jen Rudd, an expert in building and maintaining cross-platform systems. Jen helps teams identify how their software and platforms can integrate with each other by first nailing down what the desired outcome is. She explains how this approach leads her clients to systems that meet their needs much more so than out-of-the-box solutions offered by some all-in-one platforms. Jen also specializes in automating repetitive processes, which is exactly what she's here to demo for us. Today's Airtable Showcase explores Jen's base designed to track files and data across a placement agency's application process, utilizing a Zapier integration to automatically send emails to applicants as they advance through the process. Hi, Jen. Hi there, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So you are a cross-platform integration expert, and I wanted to talk a little bit about what that's like and what kind of platforms you specialize in. I assume one of them is Airtable. Yes, one of them is Airtable. Airtable tends to be the current engine I use for automation, but I use a lot of what I call consumer-level software as a service providers, a lot of them that are low-code and no-code, because the idea is I'd like my clients to be able to somewhat be able to manage their own ecosystems when we're done, or at least not feel like they have to code everything from scratch every time they make any adjustments. So Makes sense. So it's fair to say that there are a lot of platforms like Airtable that offer a great deal of use cases for that platform alone. And there's usually one little piece or maybe a big piece of something that isn't quite offered by that platform alone. And so there's plenty of different options in finding ways to connect one platform with another using Zapier, Integromat, or Parabola, etc. But that piece, the connecting bit, is oftentimes really difficult to figure out. And it's not just connecting A to B, sometimes you have to look at A and you have to look at B and find out ways they need to be tweaked for them to connect. So I imagine that's most of the work that you kind of do in helping people identify what that connector bit could be and then how they can make those changes. Absolutely. A lot of it is just, I don't want to talk about how we're going to arrive there. I want to know what the outcome is and then I can usually back into it. And most of the time people are like, can you do it? I'm like, sure, let's figure out how, like, or you can't do it because your data is, your database is Trello. So we need to kind of back up and fix your data before you can start automating and things like that. So it is about, you know, there's a lot of different pieces, but it's about understanding what the outcomes that you want and not so worried about, you know, a lot of people come to me and they're like, I want to use a software. I'm like, well, what do you want to do with it? Well, I heard the software is great. Okay, but what do you want to do with it? Let's talk about that. We'll talk about the software afterwards. Like it's a second conversation. So So with different platforms, there's going back to the use case kind of thing. Some platforms are generalist and others are more specialized. Like Salesforce has a very kind of clear type of use case that you're going to use it for or set of use cases where something like Airtable is kind of up in the air, how it could be used for many different things. But, you know, there's advantages and disadvantages to that. Have you run into a case where you have clients who are 
dead set on a generalist program where it might be better to switch them to something more specific or the opposite? I think most of the time it's really pulling them out of a specific software and putting them into a generalist software because every business is different. And a lot of the software is to your point, like Salesforce is really good at the CRM kind of sales portion. But once they get into that place where the person becomes a client, it's really sucks at business management. So they're always trying to work this ecosystem around a software that's really good at one thing and sucks everywhere else, or, you know, sucks in a couple different places. So it's sometimes better to be a generalist, although it's always a question of how big is your budget and how mm-hmm. custom do you want your software to be. But, you know, business as a whole, it's more than just one or two systems. It's a bunch of systems that kind of have to work together cohesively. And sometimes people forget, like, just because you have a really good CRM doesn't mean that, like, any of your accounting is taken care of just because you're able to automate some follow-up to your um, potential leads. So going off the idea that it's rarely just one system, it's a series of systems working together, I imagine it's not always just, you know, implementing a new system of systems. It's you have a system and then you add a system and then you integrate another system, et cetera, et cetera, over time. Is that something that you also help out with? Definitely. I I always say that everybody comes to me because something's on fire. And once you fix the fires, they're like, okay, now I can breathe. Okay, that's great. But what else can we automate? Can we do this now? Can we do this now? And, you know, we did this great infrastructure, but I decided to add something else to my business that's completely different. And so now you're kind of always like reconfiguring and retying things in, which is great as a consultant. But sometimes I like to have that first conversation of like, okay, what is the whole encompassing thing that you're trying to accomplish? And let's not just put the thing that's on fire out first, because if you're in a hurry, you're not going to get a good system because you're just trying to put out fires all the time. Sure. So it's not necessarily finding um, you're trying to find the problem and not address the individual symptoms as they arise. Exactly. Because the symptoms are just like the symptoms, but it's also like a lot of times they don't, a lot of people don't know what the real problem is, what the underlying issue is. And it's either their sister, the way that they process things in their business needs to be tweaked or their people need to be kind of corralled into, <laughs> into submission to follow systems and processes basically. Right. And that's the benefit of hiring an expert like yourself. Although a lot of these programs and softwares and services are pretty user friendly and easy to get your feet wet in it. If you're going through the process of using a new system or readjusting an existing system, sometimes that could feel daunting and overwhelming. And that's why people like yourself have offer the services that you do. Absolutely. I know. I was just going to say that, you know, people, a lot of times that to that point is that sometimes what they already have in place isn't bad. It just needs to be tweaked too. So it's not always everything needs to be a complete overhaul. Sometimes it's just using the tools that you have instead of throwing everything out with the bathwater and starting all over every time. Sure. Cause that would be very inefficient. <laughs> so in a, in a world of new kind of services coming out every few months, not It's not always the case that you're going to have one software or one service that will meet your needs forever. So how do you deal with clients who might see a new competitor or new tangential software coming into light and then helping them discern whether or not it's time to jump ship 
or whether, you know, they can still work with what they have and make some different adjustments that might get them to where they need to go. So I, I shiny, shiny object syndrome is a thing and I hear it all the time. I'm like, step away from AppSumo. It's okay. If it's not like it's on its own platform to stop for a second, <laughs> not that anything become, you know, eventually might come out, but wait till it's kind of in its own has its own users and has enough users to actually be a voice and be like, okay, this is this, you know, the current system pieces that are working, but here's what we else we need because a lot of software companies build as software engineers and not as users. So sometimes they come out with all these features that businesses don't really need. And so it is easy to be like, oh, this is so flashy and pretty and everything like that. And what I do is I tell them, okay, I'll take five minutes and look at it and tell you if it has everything that you need or not. And usually if I just try to replicate what they're doing in their current system just quickly and you can't do it quickly and like you can't just just stop, it's not going to work, back off. <laughs> like there's like a five minute rule. Like if it's too painful in five minutes, it's not the right software. Like it should be easy. It should be more efficient and it should do something that's drastically different than what you're doing now. And most of the time it isn't. I think that's solid advice. Uh, it's it's one thing if something can make a, a beautiful, I don't know, report for you in just a, a click of a button. But if you can't find the button, that's a problem. Exactly. If you're spending uh, 45 minutes in calling the, the IT, the, the software has helped us to figure out how to get something going, then it's not worth it. Right. And that's kind of the whole appeal of all of these different platforms that you work with is that they're, they are supposed to be user friendly. And so you were supposed to rely less on contacting support every so often. And hopefully they're designed in a way that people can kind of gently learn how the inner workings of best practices, if you will, can come into play in their own use cases. So aside from helping people set up systems that they have, do you also do sort of ongoing help services or support in terms of helping people maintain systems that they currently have? Or is it more just kind of the initial setup? So I think there's an initial setup, but some some of my clients, like they're never quite finished with their project because it is that, oh, this is done. Now let, let's look at the next thing. Let's look at the next thing. And so there isn't a lot of people that are just strictly maintenance where they call me when there's something's on fire, although I get those from here every once in a while. It's mostly either set projects with a set scope and we're done and everybody's happy or we're best friends for an indeterminate amount of time. So <laughs> it really depends. There's like a big swing of clients. Okay. Makes sense. So what would you say are your top platforms that you seem to interact with the most with your clients? So, I mean, I do have the luxury of kind of steering clients into software that I don't hate and that I like, and that if I'm using the same software over and over again, it's a little bit easier each time to set up. Uh, So I do love Airtable. It's one of my favorite platforms because it is an empty box to some extent, so you can do a lot with it. Um, I also like um, Zapier only because I feel like the the follow-up and the servicing afterwards a little bit less than Integromat. Integromat's like, what is this? And Zapier is like, okay, I follow the instructions and I kind of sort of build stuff sort of, and it tells me if I break something. Where Integromat's like, I don't know if it's working, but great, looks cool. Um, and then JotForm is one of my favorite interfaces because not only is it a form, it has conditions, but you can also jury-rig it into a contracting platform you could turn it into a proposal and contracting and invoicing platform if you need to, if you have set prices. So it's nice to be able to use those. And then um, 
I use a lot more waves than QuickBooks. Like I was an accountant a long, long time ago, and I know you should use QuickBooks, but <laughs> it's really hard to integrate with. Um, so I do like wave a little bit better. So well, I think that's a interesting point. If you're supposed to use QuickBooks, but it's not that easy to integrate. Are you supposed to use QuickBooks? This is no shade to QuickBooks. I right. have no idea. So the accountants I know will yell at me and scream at me. But if you don't have an accountant and you need to be able to pull a profit and loss report and pull all the reports that you need to kind of live and not have to pay a fortune to have a monthly understanding of your numbers, which I think is more important, especially for businesses that are just growing and don't have an accounting department, it's better to have a free tool that works really well with a lot of things than a very powerful tool that nobody knows how to use. Makes sense. Um, and no one platform is going to fit everyone's use case perfectly anyway. So totally makes perfect sense. So in addition to the kind of work that you do now, you just mentioned that you were an accountant. Can we, can we explore how we've made that transition? So I went to college. I went there and decided I wanted to be a writer. And then I realized nobody made money as a writer. So I went into business and then I was going to take over my parents' company. And then that folded when the steel prices went too high. So I had to get a real job. (laughs) And so I worked um, as a luxury salesperson for a wholesaler. And then I went to work for a um, developer who was one of my clients who built houses in Redondo Beach right before the the bubble burst. That was fun. And then I went to go work as an accountant for a real estate investment firm in Hollywood. And then from there, I went to work for a law firm as an accountant because as I worked from different jobs, I had, you know, the skill that I can keep carrying across. But the entire time I was doing it, I was also talking with the people that were either maintaining the software that we were using for accounting or working with the IT department to create these interfaces so that we could put accounts payable and we could put um, other things into the accounting system that wasn't really built for kind of that cash flow mentality. So I was always the translator between the accounting department and the software companies to tell them what needed to happen and how we needed to use it and things like that. So I got more and more involved in it. And then when my young, my oldest was born, I decided I wanted to work for myself. So I was in real estate um, again in automating marketing. And then I started kind of going into transaction management and things like that. And then eventually just started building out software for people and customizing it. So it's a very weird circuitous way of getting where I wanted to be, but it was pretty fun the whole time. So, well, that's good. I'm glad you had fun. Uh, It's, it's an important and kind of, I would say rare skill to be able to translate something that's as finicky one might say as like the particular needs of not just generally speaking, but one particular company's specific needs in terms of how to handle their accounting system back and forth between accountants and then people who deal with software. So I can completely see how that transition makes sense. I'm glad someone understands. (laughs) Gotta understand. I'm the host. Exactly. So Now, I would like to take a look at one of the bases that you've made in Airtable just to give a deep dive in it, if you don't mind sharing it with us now. Absolutely. So this is my demo account. So I work with a lot of placement agencies. And so placement agencies have two different clients. They have the people who are paying for the referral of household staff mostly, 
um, like nannies and chauffeurs or um, housekeepers and things like that. And they also have people who are applying for these jobs and they're providing a matching service. So they don't have one client, they have two. So they have to kind of manage this interrelationship between the two different clients that they're working with. And so I thought Airtable about a year and a half ago, a little bit more than that, I was looking for a way to have a nice, robust database that you could have unlimited users or at least control what users have what access and then also have an audit trail of what who's doing what. <laughs> so which is a very important concept in accounting. You want to know who posted what so you can know at them. Um, but also just to kind of keep track of who's doing what in a business, whether you have two employees or 100 employees, you kind of want to see who owns a file, who's owning that relationship and kind of also seeing the interconnectedness between the, the applicants and the clients. So this is automated with, with Zapier. And I use Zapier for a couple different reasons, but most of it because the automations in Airtable aren't quite where they need to be yet. <laughs> Yeah, at the time of recording, they're still they're still kind of new, two months old or so. They're they're great for little stuff, but you know, I would agree, some some new actions and you know a, a few little tweaks, but we won't get into that. Exactly, because it'll probably be a non non issue. Yeah. I could do a whole video. <laughs> exactly, it'll be totally different in like two months. I'm not really worried about it. But the reason why I like showing off this space is because working with a lot of placement agencies, they actually appreciate um, the applicant tracking process. But also because one of the things that I'm really passionate about is trying to use to be as efficient with your time as possible. I'm a small business. Most people I work with are small businesses, no matter how many team members they have, they don't have a lot of time to waste on things that don't necessarily add value or add to their bottom line. There's a lot of things that you need to do during the day to kind of keep your business going and the engine running, but it may not necessarily be typing out an email and, you know, putting perfume on it and setting it out into the world. You kind of just want to send an email and move on. So there's this concept of context switching, whereas like if an application comes in and somebody fills out a form on a website, you can have it flow into Airtable. And then once it gets in the Airtable, you can actually have the system say, if this person answers their questions a certain way, they're probably not a good fit for the agency. So we don't want to move forward with them. So we're not even going to bother looking at that file. So I'm not an employment law expert. <laughs> so all of these questions, all of these are just, for instance, if somebody says, are you a U.S. citizen or are you eligible to work in the United States? And they say no. Unfortunately, based on their agency criteria, they may not be able to work with them. So they can go ahead and put them into the probably doesn't work category. Or if they live in an area that's not very industrialized and they know everybody has to have a car and they don't have a car and that's kind of a no go for the agency, that might also be a reason why they probably wouldn't be a good fit. So you can have a system say as the application comes in, say they're not a good fit just based on their application. Then if you're looking at somebody's application and they look great, you want to advance them to the next stage. Instead of opening your email, um, you can actually just change the status to schedule a phone interview. And through the magic of already running my zaps, you can see that an email would already go out without me opening my inbox. So it's nice to be able to kind of work through, if you have five applicants per day, it's probably not a big deal, but if you have 100 applicants per day in a hot job market, 
it's nice to be able to kind of just go through everybody who applied overnight, move them through the system, and then move on with your day and start working with the clients or start working with the interviews that are already scheduled and things like that. I like Inbox Zero, so you can actually create Inbox Zero in your Airtable and have all of your communication automated. So that's one thing I really like about Airtable, just from a automation point of view and being able to not have to context switch between different software. And then also I like to be able to, the clients would also come in here and then the positions. So if you are placing a lot of agency, a lot of people at once, a lot of clients at once, you might have to keep track of all of the different pieces of information about each client. So you need to know about like what they're, what they're looking for. You might want to put um, information about what the job description is. And you can also keep, if you're updating your Airtable, you can also keep your website updated by just embedding tiles of the jobs with some pretty pictures. Obviously not everybody in any Poppins, <laughs> Mary Poppins, but you're able to kind of embed this into your website. So as you're moving people through the processes, you're moving the jobs and you're updating their statuses, you can move them on and off your website. So once the job is placed, then they wouldn't show up in your internal their view anymore. It would go away from your website. Right. So again, you're not, you're not going to your website to update your job board. It just kind of gets updated by virtue of managing your jobs. Yeah. Finding doing all of this from one place is, you know, the goal, I would imagine, for for most people. Yeah. It's if you can live in one place. So like a lot of people, when I talk to them, they're like, you have how many softwares running? I'm like, you have a lot of software and your software costs. You know, it's easy to spend a couple hundred dollars a month on software, but you're not logging into 18 different platforms. You're actually just logging into one. So like if you're using Calendly, for example, if somebody books an interview with you or a client books a sales call with you, you can actually update their information as well. Just let you let your system know because this person who's already in your system booked a call, you can advance them through the stages from schedule a phone interview to phone interview schedule. So again, you're not like capturing that information from Calendly. It's already updating your calendar and it's already updating your, your database as well. Yeah. It's able to kind of flow that information properly because you have all of these systems working together. And of course, with, you know, the process of going through and automating all of your systems, the beauty of it is technically you only have to do it once. Now, over time, you might want to, you know, tweak things with your settings and whatnot. But, you know, there's that period where you work out what needs to connect to what and how and then you click run and then it just like you're saying, you don't log into 18, you log into Airtable and then, you know, change the status and then the re- your automation will take care of it for you. Exactly. And I, you know, that I know that the laptop lifestyle is kind of funny currently, but it is nice. I mean, as a, a soccer mom, like it's nice to be able to do something from your phone, from Airtable, from the app and like, oh, looking at a record and just changing the status and all these things, these fancy things happen as long as you have an internet connection, it's nice to be able to run your business from anywhere if you have all these pieces in place and it's already automated and systemized. I would have to agree. So that's, those are the positions. And then another thing that I have been toying with too, and I think it's interesting because you have the resource, the multi-resource app that you created in Airtable, which is so cool. It's nice to also have Multi-resource scheduling is actually a big deal in the placement arena, too, because you can't use Calendly 
for caregivers to schedule interviews with families because it doesn't work. That Calendly or any of those booking software is connected to one calendar and one resource. So you can't have five families trying to book Calendly appointments with all of the caregivers, which would be nice because it would automate all the emails and do all the things for you. But you can kind of use that multi-resource concept in Airtable if you have kind of the tables working in concert. So what I did was I was trying to figure out how to have the clients give a couple different interview times and then allow the caregivers to pick from those available interview times and then follow up with them and let them know that the interview was booked and that, you know, where they're supposed to be once they've booked the time. So like in this case for this family, you want to ask them, okay, when, when would you like to meet? We're going to go ahead and say that they can meet on November 10th at eight o'clock in the morning. And then we can also meet on the 10th at 2 p.m. Okay. So then you can have those, those pockets of time that the caregivers are able to schedule. And what you can do is then use this form here and send it to the caregivers. They put in their information and then it books that time in Airtable for them. Super cool. Flash of inspiration. I'm sure you've already thought of it as well. Have you considered making a script that asks caregivers generally what days are you available and generally what time and then just creating those slot records for you based on that, like batches at a time? Yes, I have thought about it and I have it. I took JavaScript in college and I'm doing my code code academy very diligently in my free time. So I am learning scripting very slowly. So I, I think it's really cool. Like I figured out a couple days ago that I could use, I could expose the record ID, share the, and then create a formula with the form and the record ID for the caregiver. And then they can fill in the record ID. And then I can use automations to update that linked record on another table. Mm-hmm. So that I don't have to use Zapier just to connect, you know, the availability form answers to the caregiver. Yep. <laughs> Everyone probably knew that by now. But I was very proud of myself because that was like. Well, <laughs> again, it's still fairly new and it's not like JavaScript is the easiest thing to learn, um, especially when you have other things that you're doing and other things going on, et cetera, et cetera. My problem with being in a, in a no code, low code space is that my brain immediately goes, oh, well, have you considered coding this with JavaScript? And that's not usually, you know, it's not, all, not always the best place for my mind to go. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, no, I, 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 I always call it the rabbit hole. Like it's always something that like, well, what if you do this? And then like, it's like midnight and I'm like, crap. Like I haven't actually solved the problem yet, but I've drawn a lot of pictures and I totally get it. And I'm like in the API documentation, like I'm going to figure this out. And I'm like, and then they created an app that does that already. <laughs> See, well, sometimes it happens. It's, it's important to build things for yourself. So you can, you can learn a new skill and uh, have a deeper understanding of what it is you actually need. Totally. And to your point about, you know, sending out notifications, I know a lot of a lot of people like to email. I'm probably on the a little bit more email and Asana person versus like if you text me, like it better be good. Or if it's a Slack, like it's it's hard for me to be conditioned to read it. But I do see the value of sending text messages. And probably about six months ago, I discovered Twilio 
<laughs> it's my new favorite thing in the entire world um, because you can send mass notifications to people with the information from Airtable directly from Airtable. Yeah. Um, super useful, especially um, I know a lot of people use Airtable to kind of help manage their social media planning and whatnot. And this kind of dovetails into the into the idea of using Airtable to manage your kind of marketing strategy and anything from giving people shipping updates for when they sell their products off. Very, very useful. And I see that a lot of people are utilizing um, Airtable's native integrations, I guess, integrations with Twilio. And then they also have a couple things for Slack as well. Totally. And I, I was really, really happy that they finally added the automations to send the emails from Gmail. But as a Wisecamp user, I cannot handle the fact that the spacing in the markdown is double spaced, no matter mm-hmm. how, like, it, it needs to be single spaced if you're going to forego the signature. So I'm like, can you believe that the signature? Because that's the only reason I'm still using Zapier for a lot of the emails now that I figured out the linking of the record ID. <laughs> so it's so frustrating that like you can't send that beautiful signature that you pay a buttload of money every <laughs> year for. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but like it's it's nice to be able to do some of that in Airtable, even if it's just a notification. And I've even had clients were okay sending the Airtable emails because they use Office 365 and they're okay because it still looks branded even though it's coming from Airtable and it says automations for Airtable. It's still a nice email that still looks professional and it's not completely like a weird old notification that you got from some of the old software that was out there and stuff like that. So there is some value to it, but I do like having some of those easy to send off emails I think the hardest thing that I've noticed for people is figuring out the filters and the views and how to use those to trigger the automations, whether in Zapier or otherwise. I think that's the hardest part is really understanding how powerful those filters are, because I think someone was saying the other day that they liked a certain tool, but it didn't have um, like they couldn't just, you know, pick one record to do something with it had to be like all of them like well you can just filter that particular name and that view and then now you have (laughs) yeah I think I ran into the same question and I was it confused me because I thought that's what they were saying at first and then I was like oh but you can so they can't be talking about that but you're right I mean there's there's a lot that can be done already using some detailed sets of filters. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's still new. And so people are still kind of trying to fully, fully grasp when does an automation run? When doesn't it? How quickly does it run? Et cetera, et cetera. The nuances between, as you were saying, the send email action versus send an email through Gmail action, which functionally do the same thing. But, you know, there's the differences one comes with formatting, one doesn't, one requires a separate email account, one doesn't care which email account you use it for. So there's a lot that still needs to be kind of teased out amongst all, all of us Airtable users. Totally. And I think another like a thing that I've noticed too is that's really helpful is like being able to use the last modified times and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Because like in a CRM, for example, you want to have follow-ups that are not dependent on a human being. 
So like if somebody, if a file goes cold and like they used to call them like tickler files where like if somebody has been sitting in a stage too long, you'd like to like do something to kind of kick the file back into action, even if it's just a follow-up email. So like sometimes like if you're requesting someone to schedule a phone review and they haven't scheduled it yet, you want to be able to follow up with them. But you have to kind of know how to use some of the fancier fields, fancier fields in Airtable to be able to see when things happen. So like this one is like the last modified. You can use that as a filter. So if someone's been sitting in a stage too long, you can then trigger an automation, send out an email and say, hey, we haven't heard from you, what's up? Or, you know, use that for an anniversary date or a birth date and things like that. Like, especially in a data rich environment, like recruiting, like you have all this information you're asking, like, you know, when you fill out an application, it's like 50 pages long. And it's because all these things are important for some reason and people capture all of it and they just put it in a Google Doc or it's just living somewhere on the back end of their website and, you know, contact form seven. <laughs> like, why, why are you asking for all this information if you're not going to act upon it? Like, why don't you look at everyone's zip code and, you know, geolocate people to see who's the closest caregiver because the client really wants somebody who's in the same neighborhood. And you can do that in Airtable because Google Maps integrates. <laughs> Which is also very nice. Which is super nice. And you can color code people based on statuses. I was just thinking to myself when you you were adding to the the last modified field, it, it's one of those feature additions to Airtable that I really struggle to remember what it was like without it, even though it's not particularly old of a feature. My God, what a what a nice what a nice addition to to have last modified and last modified by, which tells you who was the person who made that change last. And I think the cool thing about it too is that because there is no audit log like there's no place where you can see all of the activity that happened in your base at any given time if you have the last modified date and the last modified by you can create a view which just tells you like you can watch it in real time which is really cool when you see like 10 people working in your table at once and you just see the records flying in order it's the coolest thing because you can see the last time somebody touched anything in that ba- in that tab. So it's kind of cool to be able to do that and not having that last modified and last modified by, like, how could you do that? Right. Yeah, super useful. And if you do want audience, something that has a little bit more history um, of your base and how it's structured onto air actually does have a nice base schema package service. How to describe Onto air, they'll show you everything that's happened to your base basically ever. So if you need that log, you can possibly get one. Yes, I just unwrapped it today because I have like a list of all these softwares that I'm looking through. And I just started looking at it and I was like, <laughs> like <It's> pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all this cool stuff. I'm like, I I need like a couple of days. I need some time to like sit with this. Of course, so of course. I'm like blocked off at the end of the year. I'm like, I'm just going to play with software for two weeks. So I think, you know, just to close out, since we're kind of on that topic, you're an expert in integrating Airtable with other things and other things with other things. Airtable itself has its own sort of niche of all of these different third party integrations that are specific for Airtable. So, for example, Onto Air works specifically with Airtable and adds all of these great new features um, that aren't quite available with regular Airtable. There's also many extensions who we've, we've had on the show before. 
also very great. What do you kind of see in terms of the differences between integrating Airtable with, say, Google Calendar to generalists, if you will, and Mm -hmm. integrating Airtable with something built specifically to integrate with Airtable? I think it really depends a little bit on who is who are you interfacing with in your Airtable. So if it's an internal interface, and I mean, I use many extensions, I've been using them for a while now, and they're great. I think a lot of it is a lot of the software, to some extent, and there's I know there's skins and makes it prettier and things like that. But there's a lot of integrations with Airtable that kind of improve the Airtable users experience. What a lot of the software integrations I do is to help bridge the gap between an outside user and a business. So a lot of it is in the, the interfaces, making sure that an outside user doesn't know that you're using this really powerful software. They're just getting some emails and booking on Calendly. They don't yeah. know that you have like a report of who's dropping out at what place and have like a, a little pin board of where everyone's at. Like they don't need to know that. Like they're just, they're hiring you to do something and they get a couple emails from you and it looks seamless and it looks automated a little bit, but it, it's tr- you're trying to make it feel like somebody is behind each and every email, kissing it and saying goodbye to it. So there are really cool tools that help improve your experience and improving your experience is automating your table so that you don't have to go send an email, but you do sometimes have to use some other software that your outside users are used to like Google calendar or another, you know, booking platform because they need to be able to book on your calendar and not look at your calendar and use like the Google appointments and stuff like that. So you're trying to improve that piece. And then there's these really cool tools that do the heavy lifting for you and make it really easy for you to run your business more efficiently, but they're not always necessarily, I know many extensions, just from looking at them, they started doing a portal and things like that. So an outside user can update their record and stuff like that. So there are some things out there, but really it's about kind of having this organic experience for the outside user and then making your life as easy as possible. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, as, as much as we on the back end, if you will, want to go to one place and look at one thing, was, the same is true of our clients or our end users, if you will. If you're trying to buy something from a store, you don't want to have to, you know, traverse three different websites to buy one thing. So, you know, to your point, the the more easy you can make it for the end user at the end of the day, probably the better your overall system will succeed. Totally. And I think that the biggest thing that I've seen a lot of pushback on is that, you know, software can be expensive. Like if you look at the price tag of all these softwares, it can start to get overwhelming. But if it's saving you time and it's saving you from hiring that next person, it's worth every penny because now you don't have those payroll costs or those contractor costs and things like that. And you have one less person to manage because the software, while it's kind of dumb because it only does what you tell it to do, it does what you tell it to do. Mm-hmm. Whereas a person can make mistakes and you know software is not perfect, but you try to make it as foolproof as possible so that you don't have that human error. Somebody can go on vacation and the business still keeps running. Right. And that's why we do what we do. You don't want to be dependent on one person because if somebody gets run over by a bus tomorrow, then what's going to happen? Yeah. And see, this is why we use the, the Twilio app to, to send the text for you. Exactly. 
thank you so much for showing this. Is there anything, I mean, you have your own, your, your own set of services. Um, you also post about Airtable and other similar products. I'm going to let you plug and then we'll put all of the links and stuff in the description below. Okay. So I am moving to Adept Interfaces next year. It is the, the company that I work with that I am, but it's an agency and where we help businesses who are looking to scale and grow and make lives more efficient and leveraging software and customizing the experience for you and your end user. You can also find me on YouTube with Adventures and Automation where I unbox software. So if you would like to be on the hit list, let me know. But I do what I just talked about where I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to use the software as a replacement for what I'm already using. Does it work? Does it not work? And what do I see that's cool about it? And what I don't see that's cool about it. So you can find me there on YouTube. And yeah, happy to, if anyone has questions in general about, you know, if a software is good for them, happy to have a 20 minute conversation just to see um, because, you know, either you can fix what you currently have or you don't have anything and we can definitely help you get into the right place. Or, you know, maybe you're doing good and you just want a second opinion and I'm good for those two. I'm sure you are. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and be sure to check out Jen's channel. And that's it for me. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to give it a like or hit us up on social at Built On Air. We always love to hear your comments and suggestions. And don't forget to subscribe to catch new episodes when they release. It helps us keep the podcast going.